0: Been looking forward to standing right here with you ever since I last left you here last Sunday morning. It's been a uh, full week for the First Baptist family and I have been uh, praying for you and we continue to walk through everything together. Amen. All right, if you would take your Bible and turn to the book of Second Peter, the book of Second Peter chapter 1. I think your uh, your bulletin misleads you just a little bit. I've made a correction since then. But if you get to 2 Peter chapter 1, you go to the beginning of the book. If you're using that pew Bible, it's on page 1395 1395 in your pew Bible. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to review verse 1. You're going, Jeff, but the bulletin says you're going to go verses 1 through 4. Yeah, the bulletin was printed before the Lord changed my mind. And uh, I put that in the video. If you saw the video, then you're not shocked. Uh, I went out and did it. So, we'll stand and read that. That's 2 Peter chapter 1. When Angela and I go on vacation or on a getaway, sometimes for just a few days, we always make sure that the place that we're going to has is considered well-stocked. You know what I'm talking about. You want to go someplace that has all the items that you need for basic cooking and 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 things like that that you need. Now we've stayed in places that said they were well stocked that we get there and their word well stocked was a vast array of everything we needed and we were thrilled because you're going man we got everything we need right here. You guys know how it is right you you rent some place you go into that place and the first thing you do is you're running around finding everything that has been stocked up i know i'm not alone in this you do this as well but then we've also stayed in places where well stocked end up being defined as missing many of the many things we considered necessary have you ever been there before you've been someplace you're going oh man they don't have this they don't have this they don't have that well we have now set the standard for separating good places from bad places and it's this Yes, this is a can opener. You're going, Jeff, you have a can opener in your your hand. I do. I brought this. This is the example. This is a can opener. This simple can opener says a great deal about a place. Our experience is that most places look great, sound great, but end up being less than great simply because they have a bad can opener. Tell me you've been there with us before. You go to open up your can of tuna for lunch or whatever it is you're going to make. Because when we go to the beach, we have breakfast there, we have lunch there, and then we go out for dinner. So we're not doing any great cooking. We just need simple things. And we go and we grab that thing and we're turning and twisting it and the can's going nowhere. And you go, this thing doesn't work. And you go and see if they can find another one. And sometimes they'll have two that don't work. And so we measure a place by its can opener. A winning place typically has a good functioning can opener. You know what what I've come to believe over time is that if you have a place that you own, that you rent out to people, the way you well stock it is you go to your original home, you take all the things you no longer like anymore or that you don't want to put up with, and you take them to your vacation home. Meaning... You take a bad can opener there. Now, if you own a place, we've graded your can opener. Because we've stayed in places of people that we know, and we've graded your can opener, and some can openers are really good. Some of, can. Some of you are making a note right now check the can opener. Now, it's so funny. Angela looked down a minute because she doesn't get to, she doesn't get, she's not privy to church before church. She said, I hope that's not my can opener. But then she, not knowing this sermon, she said, because our can opener doesn't work anymore. (laughs) So what we have learned to do when we go on vacation is we pack everything we need, and then we pack a can opener. And then we sometimes just leave it there so that the next people get the benefit of that. You know, it's funny how one simple thing can make all the difference now we joke about a can opener sort of it is a, one of those things that we, but isn't it funny how one simple thing can make everything different and so today i mentioned to you that we're only going to cover one verse but that one verse is so packed that it sets the tone for the rest of the book Yes, I thought I was going to do verses 1 through 4, but then as I started unpacking verse 1, the Lord had so much placed in that one verse that He said, Jeff, set the tone with this one verse, because this one simple verse can set the tone for the rest of our time as we walk through the book of 2 Peter. I ask you to stand with me. We're going to read 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, you may be seated. Keep your scripture open right there. We're going to be talking about this. Do you know that Satan fights unfair? Because as I've made this decision, I will tell you, yes, it's been quite a week. But I believe that this is the singular verse that the Lord wants us to talk about today. But it started off early, three times today, already. I got up this morning, I was brushing my teeth, and Angela comes in, she says, You're only preaching on one verse. She said, I don't know what in the world you can get out of one verse. And I look at her after I spit my toothpaste, I said, Thank you for the confidence, hon. Because I'll tell you this, as I get up every Sunday morning, Satan says, I got you. Then I'm driving in, and Zach texts me, wherever Zach is. Zach texts me, and he says, only one verse this morning? And I'm going, oh my goodness. Yes, only one verse this morning. But let's buckle up and let's walk into it together. Today we begin a study through the book of 2 Peter. About five years ago, if you're a date keeper, if you go back to 1 Peter, about April of 2018, we began a study of 1 Peter coming through. Now we're going to do 2 Peter here five years later. Verse 1 says, Simon Peter. Now Peter, the apostle, is named over 150 times in the New Testament. Jesus actually changed his name from Simon to Peter, and the word Peter means rock. Jesus saw something in Peter. We know this, right? Think about Peter for just a second. This disciple of Christ. He is likely a person that many of us, I know I can, identify with. This is the Peter that denied Jesus three times. This is the Peter that violently cut off the ear of the official on the night that Jesus was arrested. This is the Peter who slept instead of prayed. This is the Peter who told Jesus that Jesus was never going to wash his feet. This is the Peter who took his eyes off Jesus and sank in the water while walking on it. This is the same Peter who allowed the pressure of people to cause him not to fellowship with Gentiles in days forward. But this is also the Peter who got out of the boat when Jesus said, come. This is also the Peter who dropped the nets when Jesus said, follow me. This was also the Peter who was restored by Jesus on the beach that morning after Jesus' resurrection. This is the same Peter who became a bedrock leader in the early church, who preached the sermon at Pentecost, who preached the gospel boldly, who was arrested numerous times for his faith in Christ, for his moving forward with the gospel. This is the Peter who was delivered miraculously from jail by God one night, This is the Peter who was martyred, some believe, in A.D. 67, maybe early A.D. 68, for his faith in Christ. And history says that he was crucified upside down. That's what history says. That's that Peter. Peter knew what it was like to struggle with his faith, with his actions, with his purpose. He understood peer pressure, persecution, and pain but he also allowed God to work in and through his life to make him the rock that Jesus saw from the very beginning. If you recall, Jesus said, I now name you Peter, and I will build my church upon that faith. Jesus saw something in Peter before Peter ever saw it in himself. All of those things I just described about Peter that you're, aware of if I were to timeline them all and sort of put charts on a timeline across we would find out that most of the negative things that occurred in Peter's life occurred in Peter's life early in his life early in his walk with Christ and then when Peter matured and he grew and got older and became more faithful and had been around Jesus more and saw the Holy Spirit move and work in his life all of those things that make Peter more faithful happened typically toward the end of his life. Jesus saw something in Peter. He saw the ability for him to spiritually mature, to grow, to become a pattern of good for God and an example to us. Now, when you think about this, Jeremiah 29, 11, Scripture says, God says, I know the thoughts. I know the plans I have for you. They are for good and not evil, for a future and a hope. That's what Jesus said to Peter. He didn't say that quote, but he said, Peter, I will build on your faith. I know the plans I have for you. If you will just allow me to be your Lord and Savior, I know the plans I have for you. And church, can I tell you that what we're going to see in just a minute? It's not just Peter that God has plans for. He has plans for you. Wherever you are, wherever you currently stand in life, whatever your current relationship with the Lord is, whether you have one or not, He has a purpose and a plan for you. And as we walk through this book of 2 Peter, He's going to unroll that for you, if you will allow Him. Verse 1 starts off with Simon Peter, and then it goes on and says, "...a bond servant and apostle..." of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a remarkably, critically important statement for us to understand, for it sets the tone of the rest of the book. Verse 1 says, a bondservant. Now, it's the Greek word doulos. It's a form of a slave, but it is the voluntary form of a slave. Someone who had Chosen, You see, there was a time in this time when you were a slave, but there was a time of jubilee or there was a time that would come when you would be free and you could leave. But if you chose to stay because of love, because of relationship, in a relationship with this person, you became a bond servant. You indentured yourself out of affinity, out of love, out of choice. And Peter says that I am a bond servant of Christ. I am choosing to yield myself to Jesus. Choosing. So when you're a bond servant, one way of looking at that is you could be considered one who is yielded. Yielded. You know, a yielded sign says you got to Stop and take and assess the situation before you move forward. That's what Peter did. He would stop and assess the situation by allowing Jesus to lead and guide him because he was a bondservant. He was yielded to the Lord. One yielded. Goes on to say in verse 1 that he is an apostle. Now, this is one chosen by Christ and charged with leading the early church. This would be seen as one who is sent commissioned called and put out as an apostle. Simon Peter verse 1 tells us that he was both a bond servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter's not doing this to validate who he is. He is doing this to validate who Jesus is and the role that Jesus plays in his life. And so early on in this letter, Peter says, let me tell you what I'm doing here. I am a bond servant. I have chosen to yield my life to Jesus Christ. And I am an apostle, one called and sent by Jesus Christ. You see, the source of all success in Peter's life keyed on him being yielded and being sent. Acts 4.12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Did you notice Peter said, I'm not just a bondservant, I'm not just an apostle. I am a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11 says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, Jesus, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Peter says, I am yielding by choice my life to Christ and I am following his call and command as an apostle to go because of what he has done. Do you know Peter recognized that doing anything else in his life except what Jesus commanded him would be a waste of his life. Now I was given when I walked into the cancer journey, and I have since passed it on, I was given a book going, Don't Waste Your Cancer. John MacArthur wrote it, and it talks about how these things you need to look at to be able to walk through this. And in this thing, it always leads you back to because God is good. Because God is good. Because God is good. He has a purpose. And Peter said, I don't want to waste my life. And the only way I can guarantee that I do not waste my life is I will yield myself to Jesus, and I will obediently follow what he sent me to do as an apostle. I will be that way. If you claim to know Jesus today in a real and personal way, if you know that you are saved, everybody's going to know. Because it will be demonstrated in your life because you will be yielded and you will be obedient to what Christ has called you to do. If your life is not yielded, if you're leading your life, or if your life is not obedient to Jesus Christ and His call on your life, the issue is a heart problem. That one simple thing. If that don't work, none of the rest of this book makes any sense. Peter said, I'm yielded, and I'm obedient. Are you yielded to Christ? In this moment, if the Spirit of God, if you gave the Spirit of God the authority and the right to inspect your life, like David did in Psalm 139, he said, Lord, check every nook and cranny of my life. Jeff's interpretation of that scripture. Show me anything in my life that is not what you want it to be. And lead me, Father, in the way everlasting. Are you yielded to the Lord? are you obedient? Is there anything in your life that you are doing that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt is not what God would have for you to do? Today, if you do not know Christ, you can have this opportunity. Today, if you're not yielded, you can make that different. Today, if you're not being obedient, You can set that disobedience down, be cleansed through forgiveness of Jesus, and you can begin to be someone who is yielded and sent. Are you yielded and obedient to Jesus Christ? Verse 1. I keep referring to verse 1 like I'm going someplace else. But verse 1 continues on, and it says, to those. I love what Peter's saying, I'm getting ready to tell you Who I'm writing this to, I've told you who I am. I'm Peter. I'm Simon Peter. I've been changed. My name has been changed. My life has been changed. My purpose has been changed. My plans have been changed by Jesus because I yielded myself and I obediently followed the call that Jesus has on my life. That's who I am. Now let me tell you who I'm writing to. This is an important thing. Verse 1. Sorry. To those who have, catch these four words, obtained like precious faith. Now, we need to talk about every single one of these words. Obtained means to secure. But I need you to understand in its original form, it is not secure as in you got it. You have obtained it. It has been secured for you. It is yours. It is obtained. But it is not because of your might, your strength, and your actions. It is because of what Jesus has done. Obtained. Like. Like. You know, that's we know what that means. Like. Precious faith. What he's saying is, is you also have got it. Now, right now, if we took a poll, or if we had a time to have conversations with everybody, we would say, you know, how is your faith? Well, I wish I had the faith of somebody. I wish my faith was like somebody else's. I wish my faith. Can I just go ahead and tell you that when you come to know Jesus as Savior, you are given the same faith as Peter. Like precious faith. Sometimes we walk around like we don't have it, like we don't understand it, like we don't utilize it, like we're not doing, like 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 Peter has something that I can't get to, that Paul had something that I can't get to, that Jeff has something that I can't get to, and that's just a lie of Satan. Scripture says that you have been given like faith. This position that I'm in is not a position that I assume, it's a position that God placed me in. But it is only one part of the body of God. You are as valuable, if not more valuable, than every other body part in this room. You are more valuable than me. You see, because God put me here to help you. God placed his value in you. And so when you came to know Jesus, you were given like faith. Same faith. Abraham was counted to him righteousness. You got that. Moses, you got that. David, running up to take Goliath. You got that. Peter, Paul, John, you name them. You got that. That faith that you've obtained. You got it faith. Saving faith is defined as trusting in Jesus as a living person for forgiveness of your sins and for eternal life with God. It is a belief that causes us to embrace Jesus as our personal Savior from sin. Hebrews eleven six tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. But this faith, that you've obtained, that is the same as. This faith that you have received is not from something that you've done. It is from something that you've been given. Think about this for a second. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself it Faith is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Do you know that when you come to faith, I think last week I mentioned miracles, and people, somebody have responded back. Do you know what I think the greatest miracle is? Is to see Jesus change a heart. To see somebody go from not understanding the gospel, not yielding to the gospel, being ignorant of the gospel, and then because of the goodness of God, being, being hearing the gospel, and then the faith being granted to them by Jesus to believe. Seeing a life change to go from unsaved to saved, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. There is no more important thing that needs to happen in a person's life than that miracle. But faith is not something that you do. It is something that Scripture teaches that you've been given. And you're going, it says, like precious faith. Obtained like precious. Precious. I put it here at the end because this was my real eye-opening word for the week. Precious. Here's how it was used back in these times, contextually putting that here. Precious is used to describe a foreigner in a country who asked for and then received equal citizenship into that country. That was considered precious. As Christians, people who have come to know Jesus as Savior, you have been given equal rights of every other Person who came to know Jesus through faith. You've been given the rights of God, access to all of God. Precious. This is not some kind of small thing. You know, that faith that you might have said a few minutes ago, I wish I had more. You've already got it all. Okay, you've got it all. Now, I'm not here saying that you, you know what you have is you're not utilizing it. You've been given faith, but you've allowed Satan or circumstances or choices to diminish your ability to recognize what it is and to live within that faith. Like precious faith. Do you know That when God looks at you through Jesus, he sees your faith the same as he sees Peter's, like precious faith. Peter is helping those he's writing to to immediately understand that difference maker in their life. That difference maker is the faith that you've been given by Jesus for salvation. And without it, nothing else matters. One simple thing. You see, obtained like precious faith, and then it goes on with us. Peter again says, you got what I got. With us. But then he goes on and he says, by the righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, can I tell you that Jesus is the source of our faith? Can I tell you that Jesus is the cause of our faith? Let me share with you also that Jesus is the basis of our faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says this, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. But of him you are these things. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. Church, let me tell you, that's everybody. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just shall live by faith. If you know Jesus, faith will be what drives your life. And Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and... His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Simon Peter, a bondservant, one yielded, an apostle, one sent and obediently following, to those, others who have come to know Jesus, who have obtained as a gift, like the same level, precious new citizenship, faith. Through Jesus, through the righteousness of Jesus. Do you know if it were not for the righteousness of Jesus, we would have no hope? And Peter is reminding us just in this introduction, let me tell you who I am. Let me tell you who you are. But most importantly, let me tell you who he is. And that's Jesus. That's our hope. That's our strength as we move forward. So I have a few questions for you to consider. Are you, in this moment, willingly yielded to Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you daily obedient to Jesus Christ as your Do you understand how miraculous and powerful your faith in Christ is? Do you recognize your faith as precious? Something that has changed your eternity. And church, I'm here to tell you that if it's changed your eternity it has changed your today and your tomorrow. I stood here just not even 24 hours ago for Kelsey's funeral. And the only hope and consolation that any of us could have was because Kelsey had obtained this like Precious faith in Jesus. And I tell you what, I'm not embarrassed to say that's all I have. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm also here to tell you, church, on Monday night, I was with Kelsey. We took him to dinner because she had fallen. Not knowing that just a few hours Later. The Lord going to take her home. I'm so thankful. That she had that like. Precious faith. Because of Jesus. But I also. Must use this to encourage you. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. If Jesus is not your savior you are wasting your life and you are putting your eternity at risk. That's not a scare tactic, church. That's just the Word of God. God loves you and He desires for you to have this like, precious faith. And if you don't know Jesus right now, whether you're on the phone with us, whether you're online with us, or whether you're in this room, if you don't know Jesus right now, you need to know that this message was for you. Now, if you know Jesus right now, this message was for you. Because you need to understand how precious it is, how valuable it is, and what it's meant to do to change your life. And I can tell you this, that this one simple verse can change the way you see everything. I was joking about this earlier. I really wasn't joking. It is very frustrating for these things to supposed to do something and they don't do it. I wonder how many of us God has says I have given you like precious faith, but you're not working at it. Now, I don't mean works to keep it. I mean allowing it to change you. Are you yielded? Are you obedient to God's call on your life?